Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me. As always, it's Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Enjoying the holiday season. I ate a lot of rice. I think you have to send me over one of your special workout plans. It's been uh, four or five meals every day. I love Christmas, but this has been a lot. <laughs> I feel the same, to be honest. My first training session today in, oh, just under a week. But, oh, it felt bloody awful. Yeah, same for me yesterday. But hey, I'm glad I'm not the only one suffering. So that's good. Yeah, most certainly. But joining Manu and I, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? How was Christmas? Um, it was very nice. Thanks, Bryce. How was your Christmas? Yeah, it was good. So I stayed in London this year and I must say it was very dead, which was a little odd, but actually quite nice, if I'm honest. Yeah, same for me. Nice, nice, quiet family Christmas. Um, looking forward to the football coming back in a new year now. I think I've pretty much had my fill of christmas festivities i'm not really a new year person so let's get a football back yeah i agree we have two more weeks starting sunday right so yeah, i'm looking forward to it to coming back i think that's the best thing about the new year that's it as manu said we're on the winter break and the football doesn't return until the 12th and 13th of january so we've got another few weeks to go uh, but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop podcasting so we're coming at you guys uh, this week with a bit of a special um talking about the year 2017 we've seen plenty of uh, entertaining football some wonderful goals and well some odd moments as well and some surprises and i feel that we need to uh we need to discuss it all and we've certainly got enough to discuss over the next hour haven't we um where, where to begin manu where, where do you feel that we need to begin with all of this oh i mean the big discussion point has been um the title race or rather the lack thereof although i feel like the bundesliga is not alone in this half of the season when with a lack of title race i feel like all the big european leagues are suffering from that yes year but we had a little bit of a title race in the 2016-17 season right so we need to talk about that as well and i think that is a really good starting off point like the big boys on the top what they have done i think there's there's been a lot lot of good things interesting things happening and it's been in so many ways, an odd year for the big boys as well, right, Chris? I mean, we had 2017 was also the year where both of the big clubs, one of the big clubs, fired their coaches twice even, and the other big club fired their coach the earliest in the history of the Bundesliga ever. So, you know, title race is, is one thing, but there's been some oddities in this title race as well. Yeah, there has. I mean title race wise it was this time last year wasn't it i think we were all really excited because leipzig were breathing down the neck mm. of bayern um and it sort of went a little bit wrong when we came back after the winter break 
Bayern's dominance started to show. And I think it started with that result way back um, on a very cold night in Freiburg where they managed to get a winner when really they shouldn't have done. Um, it should have been either a Freiburg win or, or a draw, I think. I think you're really unlucky. But for, um, for, for Freiburg to be beaten on that specific game when we came out of the winter break, I think that gave Bayern a massive kick on. And yeah, unfortunately... Um, Leipzig fell off a little bit, didn't they, after that? But, yeah, you, I don't think I would have believed you last year, this time last year. So, as we were looking at going into 2017, if you'd say to me, oh, during the next calendar year, Dortmund would have three managers by the time the next winter break came along, I don't think um, I would have believed you at all. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have believed that. I mean, at this point, last year, we thought Thomas Tuchel would be the man for the foreseeable future, right? Because yeah. he, of all the good things he's done at Borussia Dortmund. And then I guess what happened was in the spring, that terrible terrorist attack on the Dortmund bus and uh, the exit from the Champions League. And really what happened after that, I mean, there was, there was other things that happened. The, the Thomas Tuchel-Mitzlaff conflict, right? Um, frost relationship between Tuchel and the management. But that really kind of brought it all to the top. And I think, I guess, in March, you know, people forget that's not that long ago. I remember, I remember we were chatting and you were racing back to get to the game and I texted you and said, oh, Chris, you don't need to race. The game is off. And Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I had no idea. I was coaching at the time, wasn't I? And yeah. um, I think I was trying to get back for the game. And um, I said, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you, I remember reading the text, not when I was driving, obviously. Um, and it said... Um, it said, you don't know, do you? Yeah, you don't know, do you? And then the next thing was the game's off, right? Yeah, it was that was odd. And I, I guess it really brought up all that was bad in the relationship between Tuchel and Dortmund. Because it, remember, even after he won the cup, some of us, we thought maybe they could still fix this and keep going. And... Um, yeah, they really, they really managed, didn't manage to do it. And then, and Bayern, you know, we, we had, we had some, there was some similar issues really with Bayern too. I remember like the Ancelotti Bayern marriage never seemed a happy one. Even, I mean, it's all after the fact, of course, it's easy for us to say so. But, uh, you know, even in that spring period, um, that Champions League exits against Real Madrid where Ancelotti made some big mistakes. Um, the big one, of course, was leaving Arturo Vidal on, right? And then, I guess when you look back over all of 2017, and this is what we're doing, we're looking back not just this season, but the all entire year, you could see the cracks at Bayern as well. Yeah, that's it. I, I think um, even when we started the uh, podcast just over a year ago, uh, back in November, it was uh, 2016, we always said that there there were cracks there. And Bayern just went to the side that we had, uh, got familiar with over the last few seasons. And, and yeah, then... I think it was about February time, wasn't it? They kind of finally hit fifth gear, but then that kind of went to the wayside as well, and things just um, didn't quite work out for Ancelotti, did they? Uh, unfortunately, as as Chris said, you know, Leipzig couldn't uh, take advantage of it. I think it was just a step too far for them. But you know, it, it's been a fantastic not just um, 2017 for RB Leipzig, but I feel it's been a fantastic few years for them and. Chris, it's it's certainly a, a healthy thing for the Bundesliga to have another big player in there, isn't it? Oh, you don't want to say that too loud, Bryce. There's a lot of people who will disagree with you there. I, I'm not one of them, by the way. I think um, Leipzig have been a revelation. And I know they are a very corporate brand and um, the sort of identity that a lot of people who follow German football aren't keen on. But, you know, they're here to stay. So we can either um, throw pig's heads um, onto the pitch every single game between now until football fades out, which is probably never, or we can just accept it and move on. And I think we have to accept it and move on. And, and that's what I'm certainly going to do anyway. And Leipzig have come in. And I think for me, if they would have come in and and spent wildly, um, like we've seen clubs across Europe do and and take the best talent from everywhere. I think I would agree with people, but they sort of done it the right way. And then they came into the Bundesliga last um, season. And certainly for the, for the, the 2017, the latter half of last season, I thought they were excellent. And, you know, they were deserved of where they finished in the league and, and a Champions League debut this season. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess the real, 
the real thing that speaks for Leipzig is the fact that they actually comply to financial fair play. And this is something that Rangnick has spoken out on, right? That he said that if there wasn't any financial fair play, we probably would have done things a little different. He's been a little frustrated with it too because, you know, they're, they're keeping to the limitations and there's a bunch of other clubs out there in Europe that, you know, don't. And, uh, you know, without pointing any fingers, but one of them is fueled by a big state, uh, by state money. And um, I guess seems to be getting away with it. And I can see why Leipzig are frustrated with it. But at the same time, you know, it's um, it's a positive because they it's such a young and exciting side, which is such a big bonus for them. But at the same time, I mean, Chris, we've been there several times this season to cover them. And at the same time, I feel like the, the big bonus for them is uh, also the biggest negative, the, the fact that it's such a young and exciting side, but at the same time, they make so many beginner's mistakes still, right? And I think sometimes you forget when you see them play that this side four years ago played in the third division in German football because the level is so high. Uh, but, you know, you then every once in a while they will be doing something where like, ah, oh, yeah, right. They were in the third division four years ago, you know, and then it just shows. And I think maybe in this, in this first half of the 2017-18 season, you see more of the growing pain than we... All the growing pain that we've seen in this season, that was the growing pain that we already expected last season to a certain extent and never really happened. There was moments where you could see it, but not to the same extent. No, and for them to finish second last season was a fantastic achievement. And I certainly didn't expect them to finish second in their first season. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. This... So the, the second half of this calendar year, obviously, from when the season started again, so September onwards, they've had the reality of playing European football midweek. And, you know, currently, as we were in the break, they're fifth um, and they're on 28 points. A considerable difference from where they were this time last season is in to how close they were to the top. But I think it's been a really valuable learning curve for them. And a little like Hoffenheim, maybe the Champions League was a step too far too soon. Um, I can see them doing really well in this uh, Europa League competition that they've now fallen into. I think they are one of the stronger sides left in the competition now, um, along with some of the other big boys who dropped out of the Champions League. But Leipzig and Dortmund you have got a real shot uh, going forward in the Europa League for the remainder of this season. So, you know, that's definitely 2018 for them to be positive towards. And if they can replicate getting back into the top four again, which is I think it's, it's looking hard at the moment. You've got Bayern on the top. Schalke, I think in the background, I'm still waiting for a little bit of a slip from them, but they're not showing it any at the moment, certainly. Dortmund have had a torrid time and look like they've found a little bit of stability under Stoger and by Leverkusen, we all expected him to come back some more than others, Manu, and you've been, um, you know, put in the clear by saying you thought they'd be up there and they are. So I think it's going to be hard for Leipzig to get back into that top four, but saying that, it's so tight between second uh, and eighth, isn't it? So mm. it could be any any of those sides at the moment. I think Leipzig will be all right. I think they'll finish in the top four. I can't tell you where. But I'm pretty sure they will. Um, not sure who they're going to replace. Because <laughs> I look at that top four right now. And it's the, the German Bundesliga top four looks very strong. I think if we, if we are ending up those, sending those top four sides and, you know, the two sides that closely follow Leipzig and Gladbach, if you're sending those six sides to Europe next year, um, we don't have to worry about European competition next year at all. I think th all those teams will do very well in Europe. Um, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure Leipzig will finish in the Champions League. It's just a sense again. I think they 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 were almost a little overwhelmed by you know the Champions League, Bundesliga, DFB uh, Pokal, all these games. December, November, December was a really tight program for them. You know where they also played Bayern. They had that those two big Champions League games and uh, a really tough program. And I was there for the um, final. Um, you know, their final home game against Mainz. And um, you could sense that they were they were running on fumes a little bit. And I, I'm, I guess, my guess is that Leipzig are going to strengthen the squad, um, bring in some more depth over this winter already, bring in some players to, to ensure that, you know, that they, they can stabilize in the second half of the season. Because I think, you know, they've tasted Champions League football now. They don't, they don't want to leave. Like the, the aspirations now are that they're going to stay there. 
in the Champions League. And I think I can, I can really see them doing everything possible to return next year. I mean, they're going to have to come out of this winter break on all firing on all cylinders because mm-hmm. in a very short space of time, I think it's going to come down. This top four is going to come down to head to heads and they play Schalke, Gladbach and Dortmund all within, um, you know, all within is it five or six, maybe seven match days of each other. So um, by the time we get into early March, which is when they'll have played Dortmund, they'll have played Schalke, Gladbach and Dortmund. If they can pick up nine points from those three games, I think they'll hold themselves in very good stead of making a Champions League for next season. But guys, if we just talk about the title race in a uh, long term, I mean, obviously we've mentioned Leipzig should be up there. Dortmund are always there or thereabouts. But do we feel any of the other sides like maybe Schalke, Leverkusen, uh, Gladbach, Hoffenheim, who are floating around as well uh, in those uh, top six positions, do we feel like any of these teams could truly challenge Bayern over the next few years? Yeah, I do think so. I think um, Schalke certainly can. I guess that was the plunder of the year from us, right, Chris, that Dominico Tedesco would be gone on match day. What was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who said that? Which idiot said that? Yeah, oops. Um, I'd on. just like to say I backed him. Yes, just, you did. Just, yeah, Bryce, uh, you, get, you get to, you know, as we say in Germany, if you're right, you have, to, you have to order the next round. So that's up to you. The next round is on you. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how Germany is. You win, you actually lose. You know, that's, that's how culture works. But... Um, yeah, I think Schalke could actually they 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 could do something similar than Klopp did with Dortmund. I I think there's something growing there. Uh, I, of course, a lot will depend on one what what will happen to some key players. I think Leon Goretzka is going to be very hard to keep. Although he didn't play very much the last few games, so he, I don't know how big of a factor he will uh, will be. Signing Max Meyer will be bi- will be a key. Uh, really big key for them to to keep hong- on hanging on to him. And I think the chances are quite high that he will stay. And if then they can, you know, all these young players that they're bringing up, um, you know, it's just the Swiss Embolo, um, who had a horrid first season in Bundesliga with a horrid injury. He's he's coming into his own again. Guido Burgstaller just can't stop scoring. So at least we got that right, right, Chris? And... Um, I think that was never in doubt. I think no, even, never. Um, even someone who knew nothing about football could just take a look at the way he played in the second league. And, you know, I've, yeah. I, for me, it was pretty um, obvious that he would make the step up as well as he's done. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as long as they have him, and I think they will add, if they return to the Champions League football, there will be money to spend there. And I, I think they can, they, something can grow there. I think Tedesco is the man who has shown, proven a lot of people wrong, including us. And uh, I think it's now up to him to, to show it. So he, they could become a title chain challenger in the long term. They're certainly big enough club price. You know, the money is there. The backing is there. They're, they're the same size of club than Borussia Dortmund. Although Borussia Dortmund fans and Hans Joachim Wachske don't like to hear that, but it, it's true by demographics. Um, Leverkusen. Manu, do, do we see Goretzka staying there? Oh, I I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, um, they offered him twelve million euros a year. He's I you know he's saying that his agent is saying that, and from what I hear from there's a big club in the place that I am right now. Um, everyone knows them. And everyone thought they have had already signed him and nailed him down for next season. But um, from what I hear from that is that Leon Goretzka has not made a decision. He's actually not made a decision. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be able to hang on to him. You know, I hear that Barca, Manchester United, Liverpool and Bayern are looking at him to bring him in as, as a free agent in the summer. And that's very tough competition. You know, it's very tough competition for all of those clubs that try and design him as well, you know, because I, I, I actually genuinely believe that he hasn't made a decision yet. You know, so I guess that it, it is a chance, but it's not a big one. I think for me, whenever a player says, I've not really made up my decision where I'm going to be next year, I think that pretty much underlines that he's not going to be where he is currently because he'd just come out and say it, wouldn't he? He'd just come out and say, actually, I'm quite happy at Schalke. I'm going to sign for another three years or four years or five years or whatever. If if you're saying, I don't really know where I'm going to be next year, it means that you know that your agents had offers from the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. So he's now going to sit out over the next few weeks 
um, and make a decision based on probably a lot of research that he'll do. Mm. Who's got the best manager for the moment? Where's the predicted place is going to be? Who's got a good squad? So, you know, you're going to look at, um, you're going to look at all the likes of all the teams that are in there. And I think, unfortunately for Schalke, I don't think they've any chance of, of keeping him. But like Manu said, they don't look like they've needed him mm. in the last couple of weeks. So that's a really good sign for them. Um, because he is such a big player. And I think, as you've already identified, Max Meyer has been a revelation, being turned into more of a defensive midfielder. And that's worked really, really well for Schalke. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough for them to keep hold of their number one playmaker in inverted commas. But if he goes, you know, I don't think any player is as big as a club. Um, the mm. club will always survive when when any player moves on. And it's just... I think a little bit nervous for Schalke because they're sitting in second on 30 points and they've got a two-point gap between their you know, nearest rivals and you know they're nine points behind Bayern and they'll probably feel that they can close that. Now, whether Leon Kazex is on board or not is a different matter. Yeah, I think the, the one little tiny bit of hope that Schalke fans can have is that Marco Reus made similar statements. He also said he didn't know if he's going to stay there, etc. And then he did sign a new contract with Dortmund, I think, in the, in the spring of... Uh, guess it's now two years ago so never say never i guess in football but uh, yeah chris you're probably right it, it seems very unlikely well chris i'm gonna go to you for this one obviously we've spoke about Schalke and i as well but um moving further down the table looking at the likes of uh gladbach uh hoffenheim frankfurt i mean they're knocking about. Um, one final question on the title challenges do, do you see them possibly being able to go up a level and challenging for the title maybe in, in years to come or do you see them more battling it out for a European spot and if so who's going to get these European spots this year? Well that's a hard one I mean the two teams you specifically mentioned Gladbach I think on their day Gladbach are as good as everyone um, above them and, and below them you know I think certainly um, if they come and perform they can uh, go toe to toe with Bayern, Schalke, Dortmund, Leverkusen, Leipzig um, and also you know they can keep Hoffenheim from and Frankfurt in check. Uh, it's just, for me, they don't do it consistently enough. They'll have one great game and then draw a couple and maybe get absolutely thrashed and then come back with a great result. So unless they can sort that out, you know, and, and uh, John McKenzie won't be pleased to hear this because he's a big Gladback fan, but I think they're punching around where they should be, which is sixth currently, unless they can sort out their consistencies. Um, Hoffenheim, a similar uh, although they'll have been scarred a little bit like Leipzig were with their run in the Europa League, not used to playing um, you know, midweek. Um, but that for them is something that they'll be able to get over as we go for the rest of the season. And maybe they can now just concentrate on the league. And, you know, they, they've left themselves in a pretty healthy position, 26 points. So, you know, they're only two points. Um, or if they were to get three points, they would go into third if everyone else above them failed. Um, but that shows how tight the league is. So, if, if you're on about challenges for this season, I would say no. Um, it'll probably be out of the four that are already there. Sorry, so second to fourth out of those three teams. I can't see anyone else really um, taking it to Bayern. But in years to come, Gladbach potentially, Hoffenheim depends if they can keep hold of Nagelsmann until the end of his contract to get an extra season out of him. If not, I think they'll struggle. Obviously, they've lost one of their best strikers now. Next season, he's not going to be there either. So, um, it's going to be tough for them and it's tough for any side really and I think for me Dortmund have missed just a massive trick uh, this season mm. it's evident now that they hired the wrong manager or head mm. coach Peter Bosch was the wrong decision um, in retrospect at the time yeah I think we all thought he'd be a good appointment we saw what he did last season um, with Ajax taking them to Europa League final with a very young squad um, and that's exactly what Dortmund had. They had a very wrong, young, raw squad. That obviously, when he took over, Dembele was still there. Um, Pulisic, um, Weigl, there's lots of youth players there. Isaac's another good youth player. Um, but it's it's turned out to be the season from hell. And I think if if they'd have got the right candidate at the right time, especially with Bayern being so poor um, from September, Dortmund could have found themselves the gap that Bayern have got now, nine points, and it may be... Um, a little too much for Bayern to make up after they fired Ancelotti. But, you know, you, you, life deals you the hand that you've gotten. Unfortunately, Dortmund are well off the pace this season. Um, so going forward, 
I think it all depends on who comes in to buy next season after I can't see Hike staying on for another year. I think big yup will go. Who comes in? Do buy and get the players they need um, if they can. Maybe their dominance isn't shaken for another season or two, but it'll give everybody around them a fighting chance to maybe do the right sort of recruitment. And I'm with Manu. I think Schalke have got their building blocks there to be very, very good. I mean, they've been in the Champions League consistently the last few seasons by the one just gone. So um, I think they've got their building ground there. Uh, if we look at the top four now, they've obviously got Bayern, who can take to them, Schalke, Dortmund, Leverkusen, um, and then below that Leipzig. I think they're, they're going to be the key teams for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, very exciting. We quite often mention, don't we, that if Bayern went there, it would be a very tight league uh, you know, bet- between the teams below. I mean, if you look at it between 11th and 2nd, you've got s- seven points separating them. Um, a little bit like last season, we had something similar, didn't we? Um, we just need someone to really push Bayern at the top there. But, um, uh, guys, uh, what a year has been for uh, Peter Stoger as well. I mean, obviously, he's in charge of Dortmund now. He seems to have steadied the ship. But last season, he, he got Cologne up to fifth, didn't he? And um, why? Well, they've had a... But pretty terrible season so far, haven't they? Sitting down at the bottom. I, I think we can almost look past them with our, our discussion because we've discussed the Cologne plenty uh, the last few podcasts. But um, the title challenge is one thing, but the relegation battle is just as close down the other end. Manu, how do you see this going? I mean, Hamburg seem to be uh, regulars uh, in this battle. And uh, yep, they're down there once again. Uh, first of all, I want to nominate Peter Stöger for Man of the Year. He he took a team to the Europa League, then crashed down, didn't win a game, and he got one of the two best jobs in German football. I, I mean, we can't look beyond that, right? No, it chokes us out. <laughs> we, have, we have nominated someone else, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's remarkable. No, the relegation battle. It's um, it's going to be a little bit like last year, I think. You know, last year we had a very exciting relegation battle as well. Of course, two teams, Darmstadt and Ingolstadt, looking very much at this point of the season, looked very much like they were gone. And then they really gave, gave it a go and almost got out of there, right? And then uh, you had, I think, half the table looked to the Europa League and also looked down to the relegation spot, that the playoff spot, um, you know, where ultimately Wolfsburg would add up in. And Chris went to that, that relegation playoff games. And I think it's going to be very similar. Well, to a certain extent, it's going to be similar this year. I think Köln, sadly, and it pains me to say that, but I think Köln will give it a go. And I think Köln will do a lot better in the second half of the season than they did in the first half of the season. But it's really hard to imagine them not going down, which means that this year it will basically be two teams. And, uh, you know, when I look at this list, um, you know, HSV, Bremen, Mainz, Stuttgart, Freiburg, Wolfsburg, Hannover, all the way up to Hertha, those are all teams that, some of those teams can also look at the Europa League spots, but some of these teams have to also be careful, you know, a couple bad games, and we've seen in the past how quick it can go. Stuttgart have done some very serious moves in the winter transfer and they brought back Mario Gomez, and there's rumors about Andre Schürrle, of course, as well, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, Freiburg are linked with a very fantastic uh, Argentine left-back um, We'll, we'll disclose a little bit more about later on and, you know, on the fußballstadt.com. But, you know, some of these teams are doing some serious business and Bremen have looked good since Kofeld came in as a head coach. You know, they're proving me wrong. I thought they, they would be just stuck in their own, you know, they haven't done really brought in fresh blood and I thought they would be stuck in there in this situation for longer. And Haas you know, I saw them, I saw them play against, um, um, when I was there like a few weeks ago and then I thought they actually played very good against Eintracht Frankfurt and just couldn't get the job done. They just couldn't score. And I think that, you know, the, the, the big problem right now is competitiveness in the sec, in the bottom half. There is no, Chris, they, we said this before the season, right? There is no natural relegation candidate. Last year we had two. Everyone kind of knew Ingolstadt and Darmstadt would go down. There were two natural relegation candidates. They went down. We don't have that this year. There's so many big clubs that makes it really competitive. It does. And, uh, you know, I, uh, we were asked a question earlier, weren't we? Who mm-hmm. do we think um, that would go down this season? And I had um, Augsburg and Mainz yeah. down the bottom with um, Hamburg fighting you know, in their um, 16th slot again. 
Um, and Augsburg have, have done exceptionally well first half of the season. Mm. Um, Mainz, are, you know, there or thereabouts, but they're still um, just keeping their head above the water. But yeah, I mean, Cologne, it, it just feel for Cologne now because when we come back after the winter break, if every other team around them fails to um, win, so if you say you've got to look, you've got to look, Hamburg can't win, Werder can't win, Mainz can't win, and Stuttgart can't win. But Cologne have to win while all those teams don't. And they have to make up 10 points to get out of the relegation um, area. I, I just don't think that is a possibility for any club. You're asking four or five clubs above you not to win and you need to make up 10 point gap. I just don't think it goes for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Manu said all the way up to Hertha, which you know, they could have a bad run of form. But if I'm Freiburg and Wolfsburg, I, I might be sweating a little bit. That could go either up or down. Um, Stuttgart, I was there for the last game against Bayern. And, you know, unluckily for them, they should be um, another two points higher. The fact that they missed that very late penalty and then really started fighting for a game uh, on the 88th minute um, it was way too late for them. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think Cologne, Hamburg, unfortunately, again. Um, and then, like it was last season, Bryce, it's going to be one from four, and it could go all the way down to the last day. Um, you know, I, we didn't know I'd be going to Wolfsburg um, until the last five minutes, did we, of the very last game? Yeah, that's it. Cologne, I mean, we all knew that it was going to be tough, you know, when, uh, you know, when Modesca moved on, you know, it was going to be hard to replace a guy who, was surprising everyone with you know some sublime form unexpectedly, and they obviously didn't replace him. It, it was going to be hard to replace him, but also they've they've had at times between well up to fifteen injuries, you know, to their first team squad, and you know that doesn't help. And the defense hasn't been as sturdy as it was last year. And it, it as you said, Chris, I I unfortunately think it's just it's too far now. You know, it, which is sad to see because Cologne are, are a fantastic uh, community um, of football lovers. Um, you in that town, and everyone knows uh, what the the atmosphere is like. You know, when you go there, you know it'd be a real shame to lose them in the top flight. But somebody has to go, and as we said, um, you know, there's no natural, you know, selection of, of teams that are going to go down like we possibly had last year with you know, Darmstadt and Ingolstadt. So. Well, somebody has to go, unfortunately. Um, I, I must say, guys, at, at this point, should we be a little bit concerned about Stuttgart? I've, I've noticed that uh, when looking at the form um, chart, they've, they've only picked up four points out of the possible 21 in their last uh, seven games. I mean, they're starting to slide as well. And as you mentioned, Manu, you know, it, it only takes for a few bad games and you really are in the thick of it. Yeah, but I think they're aware of it. And I think bringing in... Um it was a very smart move to to sell Terode, who has has the reputation of a fantastic Bundesliga two striker. But you know sometimes there there are certain players that are fantastic in Bundesliga two, and you would expect them to do the same in the Bundesliga, but they just can't make that jump for some odd reason. They're just a typical Bundesliga two player. I'm sure there's similar uh, phenomena in in England with the the Championship in the Premier League, right? Um, certain players just seem to do better and are absolute stars in a certain division and seem to have all the right tools to make it jump up but for some reason the playing style just doesn't work and he is someone like that so they were essentially playing without a real number nine and I think that was from the game that I saw even against Dortmund a game that they won um, I, I thought that the, the one big problem Stuttgart had was a real number nine striker and I think it was the same against Bayern right Chris that the, the, they just couldn't get the job done and signing yeah. Mario Gomez is it's a big transfer you know and the way they got him too it's um, I mean it, the impact of course will be apparently Wolfsburg are now signing Divock Origi on a full-term transfer from from uh, Liverpool right so the Apparently that's already been set in motion, so they were able to let Gomez go. We really wanted to go home. Um, our thing on our last part, we already started. We'd already talked about players wanting to go home. That seems to be the story of the winter transfer window. So um, Gomez really wanted to go home to Stuttgart. You know, the club where it all started. 
where he became a star, a national team player, the sunny boy of German football. And um, I think he will have a very positive impact there. And I think that Stuttgart are going to do more. You know, there is money there to spend. They they have Mercedes Mercedes Benz as an investor, and there is money there to spend. And then they have with Michael Reschke, they have someone who knows how to spend that money. And I think they are going to be fine, and they're going to be fine because they know that they are in a situation where they have to worry about it. And I think that is always that always helps clubs a little bit. Um, you know, there's always this has been a phenomenon in the Bundesliga for many years that there is we will see one team that's going to be relatively safe right now drop into the relegation battle towards the end of the season. That always happens. It's the one team that, you know, is thinks a team that's naturally supposed to be down there, but had a good start to the season and, you know, feels secure and then all of a sudden will get sucked down into that. I'm not sure yet who it is. Uh, I have a favorite, a personal favorite, who it should be, but I'm not going to disclose that because we're supposed to be neutral. And... um I'm think Stuttgart we all will know be who all right. that is. Yeah, I know. That's I... Augsburg. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh, anyways, that's that's how I see it. I I think there is going to be one team from that top half that could slip in there, and I think Stuttgart will be all right. But you know, I the one team I'm really worried about is Hamburg. I think they're in real trouble. Um, you know, but then too they have the experience of it to deal with it. So we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I think, Manu, you've identified with Gomez going to Stuttgart. That could be the signing for them. That that takes them out of the danger zone, I think. And if they can bring in Schürrle as well on loan, although it looks like they're going to have some stiff competition from West Ham. But if they can do that, um, they're, they're two key players that, that could really push you on because no disrespect to, um, you know, Chadraka Kolo or... Um, Simon Taroda, who played against Bayern, but they were, or even Oshchan uh, at certain points, they, for 10, 15 minutes of that game, they bossed Bayern all over the shop. And if they had someone like Mario Gomez there to, to score that goal, um, I think that he would have made a massive difference, as did um, Thomas Muller. Bayern could not score that day, and they needed to bring someone in who could score, and they brought on Thomas Muller one chance, one goal. That's all he needed. Well, someone like. Um, Someone like that for Stuttgart, that game could have been won. I, I even think they could have come behind um, and, and beaten Bayern with a, with a, a dedicated striker um, of maybe a little better quality. So I think that could be, for me, the move that maybe pulls them out of 14th and, and ends the table for them at the end of the season, you know, in around 11th, which I think will be fantastic for them. Survival is the name of the game. When you come back up, you want to come back up and survive for the next season. If you're going to come up and go down and, and become a yo-yo or an elevator team, that becomes a bit of a problem. So for Stuttgart to just cement themselves, I'm pretty sure they'll be happy if they finish 14th, just as long as they can have another crack in the, in the top league next season. But yeah, like you, Hamburg, it just seems to be um, that clock's going to have to reset at some point, and they seem to get away with it time and time again. And, mm. you know, even a cat only has nine lives. It's odd when you're in that stadium, Chris, and you see that clock, and you see it ticking and ticking and ticking. And it's I think it's the only death clock that goes up, not down. <laughs> it's the only countdown that actually... I, I, the longer it goes, it's it's like if I was a manager there, or a head coach, I think the first thing I would do is take out that clock. It is a super controversial statement because they're super proud about this clock. But that's the first thing I would do. Because every- yeah, I mean, for, for, for me as well, because if I'm a visiting manager, yeah. that's my team talk, a picture of that clock on the board yeah. saying, who do they think they are? Look how cocky they are. Let's just go out and reset that clock. And you only need to have 17 teams yeah. you know, come to your ground um, a year You've got that idea of let's just stop that clock. And then all of a sudden, you know, your home games, which should be your most favorite to win, you're playing an uphill battle. It's like everybody wants to beat the champions or everybody wants to beat the cup winners. For me, I'd want to be beating Hamburg just so they can reset that clock. Oh, and it's always bad for your own players because every player, when they lose, they just don't look up and they're like, oh, yeah, that clock, this clock is just going to keep on ticking like it has. You know, since 1963, that clock has been ticking. And we've always been fine, right? What kind of mentality sets that up for a player? Do you think 
that's personally if I would be if I would be Marcus Gisdor, we're gonna we're gonna have to put a black cover on this thing until the season is over, and then maybe think about what we're gonna do with it until then. You know, they can put it on the main square in Hamburg where no one can see it when you go to the stadium, or I don't know, put it put it anywhere. You know, harbor entrance somewhere, but put it, take it out of the stadium because that that clock is no good. Yeah, added pressure to the players as well. I imagine coaches, but I mean, Manu, would you like to put your neck on the line and say that they're going to stay up or go down this year? Oh, Hamburg will stay up. I'll put my neck on the line. They will manage. You think some- so? Oh yeah, somehow they will manage. Uh, I I'm sure they'll they'll not go down. Um, I'm. Probably going to eat those words, but I'm pretty sure they won't they won't go down. I don't know anybody, Manu, that will save that little bit of audio and then replay it in May. So I, I think you'd be all right because I don't think me or Bryce would do that. Will be Bryce. <laughs> mm, I don't know because he's only going to replay back, you know, the the Leverkusen, you know, clips from us laughing at him. I think he was saying, yeah, as if they're going to do that well. So I don't know. I don't know whether we should save that one or not. I'm a bit nervous about all oh, these predictions. I'm not nervous at all anymore. I've we've done it already. Up, yeah, we've messed up so many times that it really, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of not that important anymore. I, I, I don't know. I just can't see them go down. It's just, it, I can't imagine a Bundesliga season kick off and them not being there. Yeah, well, we'll just have to find out. As, well, someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. But um, guys, uh, let, we've kind of covered uh, the year, haven't we? Um, looking at the teams, you know, and the, the different positions in, in the league. We worked our way down. Um, I feel that at this point we need to speak about possible coaches of the year, player of the year, young player of the year, maybe even disappointments of the year. So, um, Manu, who, who would you say um, coach of the year would be? Well, we chatted a little bit about that before, and I, I suggested Christian Streich, and I know Bryce, you have you had a different candidate in mind as well, but I think that was pretty much we all were quickly in agreement with Christian Streich being the coach of the year. I think what he's doing uh, with Freiburg is is fantastic. You know, they're the club with the smallest budget. They they yes, they're fighting relegation again, but you know, I, I no one here predicted in the in the relegation talk that we just had. No one here said that they will go down. Uh, I think that speaks for itself because they have Christian Streich. But I think with Christian Streich, it's much more than just coaching. It's the stuff he does off the field. He's probably the smartest uh, and most socially involved coach. There was a really good interview with him, Kicker, because Kicker chose him for Man of the Year, which is an even bigger award, right? And um, when you when you listen to him, there's a mind that doesn't just think about football, but about greater issues and the, the issues that football how football can make the world a better place as well, right? And I think, I think, um, to be able to have that kind of view of the world, this open, very open view of the world and, uh, educated view of the world at the same time, keeping a side like Freiburg year in and year out with a small budget in the league is just remarkable. And I think that's, that's for me. And I think Chris, you were on the same page with Christian Streich pretty much right away, right? Um, coach of the year, um, pretty easy choice actually yeah it was i mean as i said when we chatted off there he was my coach of last season for mm. exactly what you've you've said he brought up her you know promoted side and and they held their weight and they did very very well you know so much so that they um, even got into the uh, european places although they went out very early on but they were still there they still managed to get there and I don't think it helped for this season that they lost their two best players. Um, One went to Gladbach, one went to Dortmund, and they've seen a little bit off. I was there for match day one of this season back in September, and um, they were, or was it August? Can't even remember now, it was that long ago. Um, And it was a pretty forgetful 90 minutes. But, you know, we've seen that time and time again this season, but, you know, they're not rock bottom, so they grind out results when they need to do. And he is working on a very limited budget and a very limited, you know, it's a, it's a small club. Um, and it's almost, I feel for this season, he's had to coach with one hand behind his back and that's not a hard, I'm sorry, that's not an easy thing to do. And for them to be where they are now, which is 13th. Um, and they're, they're a healthy 13th as well. You know, if you look down, um, the relegation area is 15 points and they're on 19. So they've got a game um, in their back pocket if they need to. 
Um, and the goal difference is a bit of a worry for me. But in order of a coach-wise, yeah, they, I mean, they played some fantastic football if you look back to the, the second half of last season. So if we look at January onwards, um, as I mentioned earlier, I thought they were very unlucky to lose to Bayern as they did on the first game back. But they played football in a nice way. They knocked the ball around well from the back through the middle. And there was likes of Grifo um, and, and Philip were playing excellent. And then... They were a joy to watch last season, and that's tipped off a little bit this season. But you know, uh, but also as you've mentioned, Manu, it's what he does outside. He's he's very well read. He always speaks on about integration and social integration, and you know, not judging people by their colour or by their race or by their religion. So he does a lot of good work, um, you know, for the whole of the European community outside of the game or outside of the pitch. Yeah, I think it was. It's hard to. Uh look away at the achievements that he's um, he's done there. I mean, uh, and I doubt that they'll get relegated. Um, I think they're too good to go down. Um, in fact, their runner form at the start of the season maybe wasn't the best, but they, they've pulled out of that and they haven't been beaten the last five, which is positive and only lost once at home. So, I mean, their home record has always been pretty strong. And I, I think, you know, when it's that good, that you know, they'll have enough to stay up and, yeah, it, it was hard to argue against uh, you fellas uh, picking outstrike, but uh, I personally um, had suggested that Dieter Hacking um, needed a bit of a shot. Sure, he may not win it, but he, he'd be about there in the, the top three anyway, wouldn't he? I mean, he took over uh, Gladbach at uh, the start of uh, last year, um, just uh, in the winter break, actually. And in saying that before that, they had only got three points out of a possible 30. So, they, they were having a bit of a torrid time and, you know, now they're, he's done more than just steady the ship, I feel. You know, he's he's taken them uh, into a position where, you know, a European spot is realistic and they're looking like a team that's, you know, in the next few years are, are going to go places as well. And, yeah, I, I think that it, it's worth giving him a shout as well, even if we're not going to give him the honour. But, yeah, guys, that I suppose... We're going to have to move on to player of the year then. I mean, this was a little bit of a tough one. We um, had to put our heads together and, and really think about uh, who deserved this one. But uh, Chris, um, who was it that we went for in the end? Well, boringly, we've gone for <laughs> Robert Lewandowski. Um, but seriously, though, we did look at this and he, he was the only one who's been consistent. So I would have gone with... Um, Personally, I would have gone with Osama Dembele because we're talking about the whole of 2017 here. Um, so he would have been my choice. However, he buggered off to Barcelona, um, so he needed half of the year. Um, then, you know, I'm not going to say we went, I'll leave for Manu to chat, but then we looked at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who, um, you know, was the top scorer from last season and who, if he'd carried his form on into this part of, of 2017, so September onwards, um, I just felt that maybe the the taste of his success had been tainted a little bit with, with some of the stuff he's done and some of, you know, a little bit of his attitude. Um, so he didn't get it for me on that one. And Robert Lewandowski just scores. Um, he, he's got something crazy like a, a goal per game, and you can't really argue with that. He was unlucky not to win the top scorer last season. He's been going very, very well this season. And, you know, I know Manu's going to go on to some other players, but everybody we looked at, um, you could say, yeah, they, they've had a really good um, 2017, the back end of it, so September onwards. Um, Bailey at Leverkusen would be a great shout for that. He's ripping the league up. Where was he for the first part of 2017? Nowhere. And everybody we looked at, or certainly everybody else I looked at, um, they were either very, very good from January to May and then awful from uh, September onwards or vice versa. So the only person who hasn't has been Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. It also doesn't seem to matter what coach is there. Yeah. That's, that yeah, that's was, another good point. That was pretty much it for me. Lewandowski was good when everyone else at Bayern was bad. Yeah, <laughs> and that that says a lot. Um, I know he isn't probably going to be the popular choice of a lot of people, but it's hard to argue with that kind of consistency. And that's really what football or that level is about, you know. People, a lot of people don't like Cristiano Ronaldo. But at the end of the day, he, he guarantees you goals, and um, that's in his position. That's what he has to do. Robert Lewandowski is exactly the same way. He gets you lots of goals and he makes the, his teammates around him better at the same time. And 
Um, Chris is right. We we had a hard time with this one because a, a lot of the players that we really thought were exciting in 2016-17 weren't that good in 2017-18 this far. You know, I one of the jokes I had was that Aubameyang left with Dembele. You know, he was gone for the last two months when Dortmund weren't good. And Lewandowski, even when Bayern were bad, boom, he was good. We also had Keita on that list, right, Chris? But we didn't feel that Keita had a good first half of the season either. You know, he's sort of no. disappeared a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, he's been suspended, but yeah. he scored some really good goals. But coming down to it, I mean, if he'd had a if he'd had a 2017-18 like he had 16-17, I think he would have been head and shoulders the best player in the league. But he stuttered a bit and... You know, he signed a deal with a different club, so that's always going to affect you. I think naturally anybody that's got a new job somewhere, when you're in your last few weeks, um, I'm not saying he's moved in January, by the way, I'm saying when you're in your last few months or you know you're moving, naturally your eye wanders a little bit and maybe you think to yourself, do I need to get, do I need to make this tackle? Do I need to break my leg here? Um, so it's natural that he's, his talent has just fell off a little bit, but I think when he moves, he'll be as good as he was in the first part of the season. But like you just said, Manu, everybody was of that ilk, weren't they? Brilliant for the back half of last season, a little bit poor for the start of this season. Yeah, maybe the only exception to that is our young player of the year, right, Bryce? Um, that's the, the really much the next category. And I, I feel like this is one of the guys that carried his good form over. Yeah, it's hard to uh, argue with the next one, really, isn't it? I mean, Timo Werner has just been fantastic this last year. He, you know, when he's at the age he is, and he's breaking through still with Leipzig, and we're putting him up there with likes of Lewandowski and Aubameyang. You know, that just about says it all. He he's been fantastic, and it'll be just as exciting to see him in the World Cup. Uh, I think you know. Surely, Manu, you would imagine that he's going to be the number one choice up front for Germany going into the competition. And that just shows how good he is. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Timo Werner could have maybe been a choice for the player of the year, but I think um, he disappeared just a tiny bit in, this, in, the, in the later stages of 2017, the really late stages. At that time, November, December, when Leipzig had a little bit of problems, which is understandable. He's still very, very young, and um, you know he's still coming, coming to you know coming to find his game a little bit. He's still only twenty-one years old, but his scoring rate in twenty seventeen has been phenomenal. Not just for, not for just for Leipzig, but for Germany as well. And I, I, you know, if he is healthy, that's always the big question mark, right? If he's healthy, he will be the start, the starting striker for Germany at the World Cup, and uh, I think. Next year, when we have this conversation again, Bryce, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking Timo Werner, maybe player of the season. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, Manu, is is there any other young players that you would like to, uh, you know, do a shout out for? I mean, likes of Pulisic is um, always in the headlines. Um, I, I personally would say that another RB Leipzig player that I've been impressed with this year is Opa Meccano. I remember us reporting um, him being transferred over and knowing nothing about him. And and he's just slaughtered into that team very well at, at the age of 19. Yeah, and Serge Gnabry is maybe another shout. And um, if you if you include all German players, then maybe Leroy Sané from Manchester City, right? I think there's so many. Um, but for me, Timo Werner, that goal-scoring rate, that was just it. And the consistency that he's done done it at um at the age of 21 that's just you know this is this is, was an argument that we had last year right chris is when doing the killian mbappe transfer if timo Werner had a different passport we would be talking the same kind of transfer fees that were this were thrown around for the likes of killian mbappe the, the two actually had the same scoring rate and i think when timo Werner does eventually come into that radar of big clubs and he probably already is We'll be, we'll be talking about 100 million plus euros for him. Yeah, he'll certainly be a, a high price, the price of a way. And Leipzig will know that they've got themselves a real gem there. Now, whether he moves um, inside of Germany and you can see that it's probably only going to be Bayern who could afford him or whether he goes abroad to England or to Spain, you know, he is the only choice for me for youth player of the league, uh, for youth player of the, of the year, sorry. And um, Bryce, you mentioned Christian Pulisic there who 
has been exceptional, but he dropped off a little bit. But, you know, goals win your games. And last season, um, in 32 games, Timo Werner played. He scored 21 goals and had seven assists. Now, um, this season, he's played 23 games because of the Champions League and a Pokal, etc. Um, and he's on 12 goals and three assists. So we're at slap bang halfway through the season. And he's pretty much on course to get what he got um, for the remainder of the season. So if it goes the same way, um, 2018 goes the same way as 2017 goes, I can quite see him breaking his own scoring record and maybe being on 25, 26 goals um, combined at the end of the season, um, which would be excellent for him. And yeah, for me, he was uh, he was an obvious choice for for young player of the season. And I like you, Bryce. I'm really excited to see him in the World Cup because. I think if he has a really good World Cup, Manu, then we could see the the price tag that you've just said be thrown around quite easily in the close season. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always feel that, you know, when I'm, I'm speaking to anyone, obviously I'm UK-based, when I speak to any of the football fans, more of the Premier League fans or whatever, he, he doesn't seem to have really registered on their radar just yet. And I feel that the World Cup is going to be that next stage for him. Obviously, the Champions League is one thing, but uh, the World Cup could really knock him on and... Um, yeah, I, th- I think he deserves it too. As Chris said, he, he's got some phenomenal stats when you look at his goal scoring rate. And at the age of 21, he, he's he's a fantastic talent. But guys, I suppose we can't always talk about uh, good things, can we? And we, we've got to pick some uh, disappointments of the year. But is this just going to be everybody bashing Cologne again? Yes. Is, is that what's going to happen? Yes. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I don't think it's going to be... Uh, Peter Stoger bashing for me, it's um, it's going to be a Tony Schumacher bashing for me um, because coaches are coaches. And, um, you know, he lost, um, Peter Stoger lost his best player uh, in um, Modessa going to China and he was not replaced adequately. And that's why Cologne have fallen off. And then obviously the sporting director was fired um, and then no replacement came in and we had the Hanover um, problem with um, Martin Kind, which was, you know, a, a debacle. I think that's probably the best word that fits it. Um, and they are rock bottom of the league and they look like they're going down. So I think they are the disappointment of the year because if you look at their second half of the year compared with the first half, they were flying Cologne with one of the teams of the season last season. So, you know, getting up, qualifying for Europe, finally getting back into European football after what, 25, 26 years. And and then it all went wrong once Modesta went. Um, and that's for me, has been the disappointment. I mean, they were really disappointing in the Europa League at times. Um, they've been woeful in the um, Bundesliga. You even just have to look at the last match out and to see how woeful they were. Um, you know, when they were winning, was it 3 0 and they got beat 4 3? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can't think of a um, a bigger disappointment of the year apart from Osama Dembele going to Barcelona. Yeah, record-breaking, Bryce. You know, they might be the team that finally breaks Tasmania Berlin's record. And uh, I think Chris is quite right. Schumacher admitted that much that he should have identified the disharmony between Schmatke and Stöger, so the former sporting director and um, my man of the year, Peter Stöger, um, earlier and separated the two or you know maybe start with a fresh fresh in the summer um get rid of them both sugar should have maybe gone on to dortmund in the summer and um, schmatke should have been shown the door at the, at the peak and uh, it's hard to do that at the peak but sometimes you know when you're at your best that's when you need to make changes and i think they kind of missed out on that and i don't think they're going to make that mistake again i think the the, the leadership of Köln is strong enough to survive this and uh, there's enough money there to go straight back up but really hard to look beyond them as the losers of the year. I, I think um, it, there is really no no other really big choices. I think maybe the one other one for me, Chris, is Usman Dembele's behavior when he forced that move to Barcelona. I, I was, per, on a personal yeah. level, I was very disappointed. But I guess that's that's what football has become. You know, transfers have become that way. And, you know, that's maybe maybe an overall disappointment of how football has become that way. Well, what about, I know he, he's not abroad, he's playing at Swansea, but Renato Sanchez, That's he really hasn't kicked on this, this year at all, has he? 
That's a good shot, Bryce. That's a very good shot. I think he's. I think he's been to to um, give him a little bit of a of a way out. I think he was. I think he went to the wrong club at the wrong time. Um, you know, with the wrong manager. Um, because you know, Lambert didn't last very long. Um, so yeah. Sorry, Clements, not Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, what breaking news? Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a little bit tough for him. Hopefully, he can uh, get back to his uh, possible I, I, potential. Actually, while we're there at Renato Sanchez, one little piece of uh, defense. You know that where everyone made fun of him for playing that ball to the scoreboard? Actually, the same thing happened to Thiago. No one really, uh, you know, Bayern's Thiago. No one really paid too much attention to it because Bayern won the game and Thiago was very playing very well. But... It does happen. I, I think it is kind of fitting to a situation, but it does happen to players that are also informed. I think it happens all the time, isn't it? Yeah. There's, um, who, someone passed to a steward because they yeah. had a, a similar sort of top on. Um, was it Tiago that passed to the dog? Someone passed to a dog. Yes, on that, a, that's right. That was Tiago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So someone else passed to a dog. Um, yeah, if you're out of the corner of your eye and you're looking up and you see that colour match and you're expecting a player to be there, um, you, you know, you make that pass and then look up and then you're thinking, oh, crap. And to, to be fair, Swansea City that day did look like a Thai energy drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't give away free advertisement on this part, but they did look exactly like that energy company as in, like, the color scheme. So just in defense of Renato Sanchez. Well, guys, we're, we're running out of time here. We're going to move away from the disappointment. And Manu, just quickly, what, what was your favorite moment of the year then, just before we wrap it up? Uh, my favorite moment was definitely that 2017 FIFA Confederation. The entire Confederations Cup was, was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed it. But to f- be at the final and see Germany win the Cup. I know the Confederations Cup is not the most popular trophy in the world, but it was still a very special moment to be there. And I, I think that was one of the big moments. And then, of course, being with you guys in, in Leipzig, I think uh, as many times when I think back to that moment, and it really got this pot going as well, didn't it? So that was a very special moment for me as well. Yeah, most certainly. That would probably be my moment of the year when it comes to this, was meeting up with you fellas, going to Berlin and Leipzig. That was a, a real... Fantastic experience, and uh, we got treated to an exceptional game with the uh, Leipzig four, uh, Bayern Munich five. That that was uh, really something special. Uh, Chris, um, we'll go to you. Just um, last, you know, bit of a highlight of the year. What what was your favorite moment? And pretty much the same as you. So it will have been that last two weeks that I spent in Germany. Um, obviously, I was at the Leipzig game for you guys, which was you know, an unbelievable game of football. Yeah. Uh, then the next week, uh, I was lucky enough to um, be in the stands to watch um, Dortmund Werder Bremen, where they came back and Aubameyang got the penalty very, very late on to make it 4-3 and, and to win the goal to see, uh, the uh, you know top scorer of the season. That was excellent. And then um, I stayed on in Germany for another few days and then went to the Pokal final right down the front when the Dortmund end um, with all the Dortmund ultras. And I was looked after fantastically both by ultras and by the club. And I'd like to you know, thank Bruce Dortmund again for looking after me for that. Um, and that was just a brilliant two weeks. And to be in the stadium when Dortmund won the Pokal was, was just absolutely fantastic. And it's certainly something that'll stay with me forever. But it was just that three-week trip I think we had in Germany. It started off you know, with the Leipzig game, which was unbelievable. Then we went to Union Berlin and, and fell in love with the, with the ground and the fans there and three sides of the ground jumping. And, you know, the football wasn't the best, but for that day, for me, it wasn't about the football. It was about, you know, the, the I don't know, is it 23,000 people that go there with that sort of attitude and, and that sort of um, just philosophy of having a great time and singing for 90 minutes and, and then going to Dortmund and then back to Berlin to watch the Pokal, I think, um, 2018 is going to have to do something very big to top that. Yeah, most certainly, and I think we'll be uh, we'll be looking into the second half of the season uh, to book another trip to do some uh, live podcasts. I think over from Germany, it was that much fun last time, and yeah, I thought they made pretty good podcasts too, if I'm honest. But uh, guys, that more or less does it for today. Um, I'd just like to say um, Happy New Year to you both, because that'll be the last time uh, we pod before that, I'm sure. Yeah, Chris, happy- what would you like to 
Well, first, oh. first of all, Happy New Year, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. But, but well, we'll go to Manu. Manu, what have you got uh, to draw people's attention to? What have you got going on? Well, it's been a bit quiet um, on the entire Football Crowd Network because, you know, most of the leagues that we're covering are on winter break. So it's not been a post every day. It's not been a podcast every day. But that will pick up, I promise, um, next week. When once we're in the new year, we'll be back full in action, and all that will be on at Football Ground Live. Yeah, most certainly. I, I can't imagine Football Ground being too quiet for too long, if at all. To be honest, uh, there'll be plenty of articles still going live on there. Chris, what have you got going on that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Well, as Manny said, once the new year starts and the um, transfers start flooding in and players start moving, there'll be articles left, right and centre, I think, on, on football growth, especially on football stat. Um, but there's no winter break in England at the moment, so I'm on Liverpool duty for this is Anfield. So um, if anyone's got the remotely interested in Liverpool, they can follow me on Twitter uh, at Chris78Williams. And um, I'm doing a live blog for the next two um, Liverpool uh, Premier League games. Yeah, very exciting and very busy times with the Premier League. Um, I am the same as Manu, and that's I, the league I also uh, share an interest in. The league MX uh, doesn't start up again for another week or so, so um, there'll be um, there'll be a podcast soon. Though the Galato one, I'm sure we'll get back together to preview. Um, the second half of the season coming up. But um, apart from that, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Thanks, guys, once again for tuning in um, all year round, actually. Uh, we'd just like to say Happy New Year on behalf of the Gag and Pressing uh, podcast, but also the Football Grad Network and Auf Wiedersehen. Und einen guten Rutsch. That too. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.